Welcome to The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want the truth about having a healthy, happy, strong body. Remember, your body was meant to move. Now here's your host, Stephen Sashen. Could the secret to getting stronger and fitter be doing less than you ever thought was realistic or possible or made any sense whatsoever? Maybe. We're going to find out today on this episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting with the feet first usually because those things are your foundation. Uh, We're going to break down the mythology, the propaganda, and often the lies that you've been told about what it takes to run, to walk, to hike, to dance, to play, to lift, or anything else that you do with your body to do it enjoyably, healthily as you get uh, older. I was going to say older or younger, but getting younger, that's a tricky one to do so far. That's going to be a future episode of this podcast. (laughs) Not really. I'm Stephen Sashen from ZeroShoes.com, your host of the Movement Movement Podcast. If you want to be part of what we're doing, it's really simple. Go to www.jointhemovementmovement and you'll find all the previous episodes. You'll find out how to engage with us. And when you go to wherever you go, whether it's iTunes or YouTube or Facebook, you know, like and share and review and do all those things that you know how to do to tell people about what we're doing. We are creating a movement movement, making natural movement the obvious, better, healthy choice the way natural food currently is. And because it's a movement, that means you are involved. So in short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. And let's just jump in, shall we? Hello, Tim and Danny. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. I have elected not to try to do my Clark Kent impersonation today. Um, and I'm <laughs> glad that you have taken on the mantle of doing that one. So Please. good on you. Do you have a pair of glasses? Yeah, where are I glasses? do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is brilliant. <laughs> Right, go, no, definitely go oh, find him. Okay. He's going so, for it. <laughs> uh, okay. So, and Tim and Danny are from originalstrength.net. Tim's got his original strength shirt on, but you can't see the rest of that. We'll talk about that in a My bit. Clark Kent. There we go. All right. Put on the glasses, do the Clark Kent part. I don't even recognize you. Take him off to the Superman part. <laughs> Who is that? Yeah. Where'd you go? Could you get Tim back on here, please? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You know, it's funny. I watched something the other night. Kate McKinnon was on Jimmy Fallon and she said that she likes to wear glasses with that are not prescription glasses. She doesn't need glasses. She just likes the look and it confuses people. And when I was living in New York years ago, I found a pair of glasses that I started wearing that I didn't need glasses, but it was even better because they were just the top half. They were like, you know, they didn't have the bottom part at all. So it's just whatever that, that style of lens is called. So I'd be wearing these things that were just the top half, no lenses. There was times where I'd be talking to people for an hour until they'd look at me and go, what the? <laughs> you know, there's no lenses in those. Now I go, yeah, I don't need glasses. They found, that, they found that very confusing. So Tim Anderson, Danny Almeida, do me a favor. Tell people who the hell you are and why you're here. All right. All right. Well, we are with Original Strength and we are all about helping people move better and feel better and understand the truth that they were created to be resilient for a lifetime and not meant to feel fragile, broken, weak, or injured as many of us do feel. That's easy. (laughs) Now, of course, it's easy to say that when you were young, attractive, fit human beings. Talk to me about how you work with people of all ages. I'm assuming that you do. I mean, I know that you do, but I'm going to say it like I don't know. (laughs) We teach people of all ages that they are still young, attractive, and fit human beings (laughs) on the inside. (laughs) And and we help them return to those same movements they did when they were younger to actually help them restore their youth. Ah, All right. That's a good setup. And we'll be diving into how you do that in just a bit. But first, since it is the Movement Movement podcast, do you have a movement-y thing that you do as part of what you do with Original Strength that you would like to share with human beings so that they could get a little taste of what it means for what natural movement means from your perspective? 
Sure. So we encourage people to do something that they've all done before called rocking, where they get on their hands and knees and rock back and forth. Um, Most children do this right before they learn how to crawl. And that movement is phenomenal for what it does for your nervous system and how it teaches your body that it is one whole body and not a collection of parts. So let's just break. I mean, I know that sounds super simple and you just said it in like less than a sentence. So, okay. So literally on your hands and knees, hands under your shoulders, toes, uh, toes pointed or toes engaged. Yes. So either one, because the, because your feet are designed to be very mobile and those joints articulate in every direction, you can do toes down or on the balls of your feet. Plantar so flexion try, or dorsiflexion. Try either of those. And when you say rocking back and forth, you're literally, you're not moving anything. You know, your, your hands are planted, your knees are planted, your toes are doing what your toes are doing. And it's just, you know, find a way to move back and forth. I mean, I've done this. So I'm, yes. So you're transferring weight over your hands and then back over your hips. And the wonderful thing about it is it teaches all your joints how to dance together. Your ankles, your knees, your hips, your wrists, your shoulders, your spine. It sets your posture, the curves in your spine. It's great. So do you want people just to be going back and forth linearly or do you want people to make other motions, you know, like a little back, like horizontal, lateral, figure 80, et cetera? So yes, linear is where we start. Wait, I'm going to have to stop doing that. (laughs) where you're going to have to give me a straight answer and not a yes answer. <laughs> so we start, we start them with linear back and forth because that's pretty fairly easy to, to get to. And then if they're getting adventurous, we have them rock in circles. Or if they're really, really feeling frisky, we do try to do infinity symbols or figure eights. Now, let me just start with the sort of obvious thing. Some people, when they hear this, are going to like drop down and do it. And some people are going to think, you know, well, they're in a place where they can't. And some people are just going to think, well, that seems silly or stupid or like really basic or what I love about what you guys are doing is really, and the reason why talking about natural movement, it's like, what do babies do? What are these movement patterns that we start doing just naturally and organically? And how does that affect us as we move forward? So for people who think that this is either silly or inconsequential or might be embarrassing or have any resistance to this, because doing some things that seem quote unquote infantile, it does bring stuff up for people where they have I've experienced where people have some like very strange response to it. A thing that I do when I'm teaching people about barefoot running, where we'll be out in a field and I'll say, look at how like tiny little kids run when they first start running. Basically, they lead with their head, which is oversized and excessively heavy. And then they just try to keep up with their head. And so it's like, let your head go back and forth and just try to keep up. And it takes people sometimes like 15 minutes till they're willing to even do it because it looks silly. It feels great. It's really fun. But there's just like this incredible resistance to doing these baby-like or child-like things. That's what I've seen. What's been your experience with that? Oh, very similar. People do feel silly getting down on the floor and acting like children or moving like children. But usually if, if we can convince them that if you could restore your body and have all the mobility and strength that you wanted to have, isn't it worth being just a little bit silly to, to get that? Yes, so. Yeah, I was going to say, so we have a few shirts that say it's crazy enough to work. And uh, and it, you know what? It, it is a little bit crazy and, and that's okay. It might seem crazy, but when people try it and have an experience and they actually see it, you know, see and feel the, the difference that it makes on their body immediately, then they're usually like, oh yeah, I got to do that. And then you see other people around you and they're doing that. So uh, I challenge those people to be a trendsetter and, and go ahead and just try it. The thing that I noticed the first time I tried just just rocking forward and backward is that at a certain point, like at first it feels kind of weird and you're going like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then things happen like you find yourself just taking a big deep breath, you know, something just lets go, something starts to relax. And it's just, it's surprising 
that's was one of my favorite things. Yeah. So, and we've had, even here in our studio, we'll have people that I guess they, you know, people deal with issues that they don't tell you about because it's their norm. We've had people come, you know, after they've been here a while and say, you know what, my back doesn't hurt anymore. And, you know, they, they, it's because you know, they're, they're rocking back and forth and they're like, you know, I've been doing this at home. So, so not only did they do it here, they do it at home and we don't know that necessarily know they're doing it until they discover that they feel great. And then they right. tell us what they're doing. There's a thing I think about almost every day. That's when, when Lane and I get home from work, one of us, usually me, makes some dinner and um, which I'm okay with. I really like doing it. Make some dinner. And then we go upstairs where we have, technically it's our second bedroom, but it's actually our one place where we have a television and a big couch. I will, when I'm eating, I will be sitting on the ground. And the thing that I think every time I do this is growing up, I never saw anyone do this. I mean, my parents never did. My dad did every now and then if he was like, you know, trying to turn a television stand into a, into a bookshelf or something. He never read the instructions and, you know, God knows what, what there was always leftover screws. So, but in terms of just like daily living, I never, I never, no one ever modeled being on the ground, crawling, sitting, hanging out, lying down. Have you, what's your, I don't know how to even ask this. Do, have, you, have people come in to work with you where they have any kind of relationship with that? Any, again, any reluctance or reticence? Or is it more just when they do it, there's this, once they kind of get hip to it, it just feels good because it's fun, because it's natural, because it's et cetera. Do you know where I'm going with this? Because I don't. Uh, maybe a little bit. So uh, there's there's kind of like two paths we can go down. And one, I think there it really depends on the age of the individual. So Sometimes as we see an older individual, they are much more reluctant to get down on the ground. It's usually um, almost a, a fear relationship. We're afraid to be on the floor because we don't know if we can get back up. And we don't want to think about when we have to be on the floor because a lot of times we, people associate it as you get older with falling. And so, you know, you see that from one standpoint. Uh, so getting people comfortable with being on the floor is really important to us and helping them be able to have the strength to get back up and down. But then on the other hand, you've got, you know, individuals that are fairly, you know, very capable of getting up and down and you get them on the floor and they might feel like, oh, this feels silly. Yeah, the whole kind of conversation we're having, but it's part of our culture here. So everybody's on the floor. That's just kind of the way that we do things. And then once they see that, okay, one, it feels good. Two, they're getting stronger. And three, we really hammer in that this is where we start. This is the basics. This is how we build a strong foundation. I think that that's you know, really, a really easy way to kind of help get them more comfortable if we do see that. But honestly, since everybody does it here, it's not right. as big here. <laughs> yeah, no, but you, you actually hit the points exactly. Now, let me, I want to back up a giant step. How did you, if, if you can, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, describe a little more, if you can, about kind of the fundamental things that people are doing if they're going to come to Original Strength and work with you or take a course or you know, however they might, they might learn about it. And the second thing is, how did you come to this? How did you find this, discover this, develop this? So we'll go backwards. The second so thing. When you were on Krypton. Yes. <laughs> so what had happened was. <laughs> so that's actually a good segue, though, because my favorite superhero is Superman. And I was foolish when I was younger and still am. But I would, I would train to the point where I would injure myself. Mm. But I wouldn't stop because it was some weird badge of honor that I just got to keep training. So I would never let my body recover. And one day I was frustrated because I wasn't feeling like Superman at all. And honestly, I just, I asked God to show me how to train to become bulletproof again. I was thinking about Superman one night and I wasn't there. 
And within a couple of weeks, I picked up a book on learning disorders in children and how, how movement can, can strengthen their brain and tie their brain together and strengthen their nervous system. And it, it, within a couple of weeks, it was just like all the, I, I learned that all the, the movements we made as a child is what knits our body together in our nervous system and physically ties us together. So it was just like God kind of connected the dots and I started rolling around and crawling around on the floor. Just, so there's going to be a transition from you personally rolling and crawling on the floor to what you now have. So a friend of mine encouraged me to write a book about what I was learning. So I wrote a, a book about the, basically it was about the developmental sequence, what children go through to get strong so that they can walk around on two feet and explore their world. And if we return to those same movements, then the same thing happens for us again. It's like hitting a reset button on the body. So I wrote this book and a few people bought it and eventually we did a workshop about it. A lot of people came and then word of mouth spread and it just kind of organically grew from that to where we have a facility called the Original Strength Institute where we just, we help people remember how their body is designed to move. Love it. Danny, do you want to add anything to that or talk about your experience? Oh, <laughs> I met her when she was just a baby. <laughs> no. No. He me as I was rolling around on the floor. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, <laughs> Yeah, I came in, I had moved to the area, I was looking for a place to train and met Tim, saw this crazy guy rolling around, crawling outside, pulling chains, thinking, oh my gosh, he's crazy. And uh, he's like, let me, let me show you some things. And I, I also, I remember at that point him saying like, people want to learn about this. Like he, he, he had just written the book and you know, people were like, people are, people want to learn about this. <laughs> but so he shows me and uh, shows me some of the resets, took me through some things, started practicing. And I had struggled. Uh, I'm super hypermobile. So my body moves way more than it's supposed to move. And I struggled with instability for most of my life as a collegiate athlete, uh, a lot of injuries. And so he showed me the resets, helped me kind of basically retie my body back together. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good stuff. And so, yeah, so I started using it with all of my clients. And, uh, you know, we continue to work together. And, and here we are. <laughs> I just want to, again, back up a little bit. Tim, are you telling me that an effective pickup line is, let me show you some moves? Yes. Wow. Yes. That is it's pretty impressive. Watch, <laughs> let, let, watch me crawl. Yeah, let me show you some things. <laughs> usually, usually that elicits a whole different reaction. <laughs> so you mentioned, both of you actually mentioned resets. Can you say more about what that is? So the... The body, you know, so your nervous system, if you can strengthen it, your nervous system wants to feel safe. And if you can do movements or make it feel safe, it will let go and allow you to move. So when we say pressing reset, it is as if we're pressing a reset on the body's operating system. And then every, all the programs on top of it run well. So it's like resetting a, a Nintendo or something like that. But all it is, is tapping back into the very original movements we made as a child. Those are pre-programmed in our nervous system to help us grow and develop. And if we revisit breathing, activating our vestibular system, we're basically moving our head and our eyes, rolling around on the floor, rocking back and forth and crawling or our gait pattern. If we do those things, it's, it's like pressing reset on the nervous system, allowing it to feel safe. And it allows us in turn to move and express our strength. We talked, I mean, the intro to this episode was saying how Basically, you could get stronger and healthier by doing less than you ever thought. Talk about that, if you would, because you I mean, that was our that was our brief pre podcast chat. It lasted about five seconds. You hinted <laughs> that I said, "Yeah, that's perfect. Let's go." It was so, like so. Traditionally, 
I think it's pretty common to think that if you want to get stronger, you need to lift weights yep. or you, you got to work out. And, and most people think, well, you got to do that for an hour or two hours at a time regularly. And what I discovered is our design is so amazing that if your nervous system is strong, your body has unlimited strength and potential to allow you to do anything you want to do mostly within reason. Yeah. But an easy example is I've lifted weights all my life and I quit for about, I don't know, months and just crawled across fields, dragging chains and stuff like that. But just crawling, you know, crawling like a kid does. And my body got a lot stronger than it was in the gym. And I know that because I came back to the gym and I was able to pick up much heavier stuff than I was picking up when, than when I left the gym. And I had been gone for months, so I wasn't training to get right. stronger in the gym, but I was able to express more strength in the gym. Well, that's an interesting point. Do you think that you got actually stronger or do you think that with the lifts that you were doing, there was something else like better alignment or just, you know, better movement patterns? Actually stronger and better movement patterns. So, so again, everything was, I was tied together better so I right. could express more strength potential that I had. So most people are walking around with enough strength to crush their own bones if all their muscles were to contract. Well, right. everybody can, everybody can do that, but nobody yeah. is able to express that because they can't, their nervous system will not let them tap into that. Right. So, but if your nervous system feels safe and you're tied together very well, then strength is almost effortless. And so is mobility. It's interesting when you said that, I just remembered seeing something on maybe a show like I shouldn't be alive, or I don't know what's called or something like that. And maybe if that's what it's called, the show is no longer on the air, which I'm so glad about because I used to watch it addictively. And <laughs> it was just like, Basically, for an hour, it's a story of someone who shouldn't have been alive because of whatever happened to them. But every 10 or 15 minutes, it was the kind of thing where you're going, oh my God, that's the worst thing I could ever imagine. And then it got worse. So, but one of the episodes was a guy who uh, had been hiking and like a giant, I don't even know what to call it, a, you know, piece of rock, like 10 feet wide, 10 feet long, a couple of feet thick, slipped off the edge of the cliff that he was on and pinned him. And so he's on lying underneath it face up with this multi-thousand pound rock on him and just freaked out and pushed it off his body and ended up basically tearing every muscle and ligament in his body. Yeah. I mean, As unbridled strength. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it saved his life. Right. Got it off, got down. And then I realized that I had you know, broken bones and ripped almost every tendon. I mean, it's just like, holy smokes. So it's like our brain is telling us, like you're saying, our central nervous system, including our brain, is telling us to limit things to a certain extent because you could hurt yourself otherwise. And it's actually something I was talking about yesterday about someone about running. Actually, you know what it was? It was about the two hour, sub two hour marathon where, oh, it was even better. It was about the new Nike shoe. And people say, <laughs> well, all these people are setting new personal bests. I went, well, there's this whole idea in running and for exercise in general and movement in general, the central governor theory, basically your brain is telling you, here's when, we, when you should put the brakes on because it's going to hurt you otherwise. And what many endurance athletes find in particular and power athletes as well is that your brain is telling you to chill out well before you really need to. And so people are learning how to listen to when they get those signals saying, I need to stop. And then just, they keep going past those initial signals. They eventually stop. The event, eventually the signals get so loud, they stop. But my argument would be that a lot of what, what's happening for people when they're, if they're setting personal bests in some magic new shoe that no one knows why it's producing magic effects is that basically it's essentially placebo effect. And what's happening is they're getting those central governor messages and just either ignoring them or reframing them. So yeah, anyway, that's a tangent from this whole thing about how bodies can be super strong if they're allowed to, if you will. Yes. 
you've at least both of you have mentioned the phrase crawling in chains a few times. Uh, <laughs> would you please elaborate? <laughs> I think that's totally, I'm sorry. I'm going to go for about the chain crawling here. Because <laughs> well, I, I was imagining when you said crawling with chains through a field, I'm thinking that someone's got you hooked up to a plow. Similar. I mean, basically. Similar. Well, it's good because if not, they were missing out on an opportunity. So, so talk about, so, so we've gone from rocking and we've talked about crawling. So let's talk about these progressions and then talk about adding chains to the mix too. So, okay, so rocking teaches your body where all your joints are and it teaches your stabilizers how to stabilize your joints so that your prime movers can move your joints. Basically, it, it really sets your body free to move. And then crawling coordinates the opposing limb pattern and ties your body together so that you can generate, well, so one that you can move from A to B efficiently, but it also helps tie your body together so you can generate speed and power and fluidity. So once, once you're tied together well and you move well, you can add load or resistance to the movement patterns to strengthen your body and those patterns so that you can exude or demonstrate more strength. So what I used to do in our old studio, we had a big grass field behind the studio and I would go out back and I would crawl. It was an 80 yard field and I would crawl 80 yards with chains tied to my body. Like, so I, I was creating resistance or drag. So just additional weight. I mean, you could have done yes. this, could have done this with a weighted vest if you weren't such a dork. But it looks so much cooler <laughs> with chains. <laughs> yes, you just proved my point. Yeah, it, looks, <laughs> it looks so much, and the sound, the sound's amazing. <laughs> But so really, though, the chain, though, the, depending on the surface, like grass or sand, it accumulates a certain amount of friction, the, the, the longer the chain is. So right. it's this area, too. Whereas a, a weight vest pushes straight down on the body. When you're dragging a chain, you've got resistance pulling in the line against the line of direction you're trying to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's just a fun way to train. There's a, oh, man, I just blanked on the name of this device. I've done a review of it. I have it in my car. It's essentially... Oh, Exergenie. There it is. So the Exergenie, it was a device that some guy invented like in the 70s, disappeared. Someone brought it back a little while ago. It's awesome. But so instead of chains, same idea. And yes, you know, it's got like a 40 meter long rope. And so just having that rope on the ground creates the extra friction. You feel it once you kind of get past the halfway point, you've passed the other end of the rope. It starts getting easier because there's less rope on the ground creating the friction. But basically you can create as much resistance as you want without all that extra weight. It's a really fun device. You'll have to look it up. I think you, you would totally get a kick out of it. Oh, I'm definitely going to Google that now. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to forget the name, Exergenie. Exergenie, yeah. Sounds fun. Like you want to rub it and something pops out of the bottle. It's great. It's kind of like that, but not at all like that. Not, okay, no, no. <laughs> By kind of, I mean not even close. It, but it's super, super cool. And it's, we use it for, for either kind of resisted running. So just we'll set it to a, an amount of resistance that gives you just a little bit as you're running to the kind of thing where it's so much resistance that you're just trying to walk and you basically have to be at an angle where you're leaning forward. It's pulling you back. You're leaning forward. Your nose is almost on the ground because that's the only angle where you can get enough force to make yourself move. It's a blast. Um, I am intrigued. Yeah. You'll have to let me know if you get one. It's, it's a good time. I think I have a link on my website, but be that as it may. Okay. Anyway, I don't know where I wanted to go after that. So what are the other things other than sticking chains on your body and crawling across a field? much to the amusement of your neighbors. Uh, well, that does amuse the neighbors. Actually, it gets you in trouble with your spouse a lot also. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. You, you can't just leave there. See, my wife is so used to the insane things that I do that I don't think anything would get me in trouble with her. What kind of trouble do you get in crawling around in chains? That seems normal to me. Uh, no. So my wife's pretty proper. And 
Well, she doesn't like me to, well, so what it was, was, is I was crawling through one of my, our neighbor's yard in their grass because they had a nice lawn <laughs> um, and they were asleep. So I wasn't harming anyone, but somebody drove by and called my neighbors and told them that somebody was crawling in their yard. And this somehow got back to my wife and I was heavily reprimanded and told I will never do that again. So that's but, what had happened. Well, so I've got to ask one question. Why were you crawling in your neighbor's yard? They had really nice grass. Texture's everything. You should know this. You know, when you run barefooted, man, it's all about the texture. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, wait, did the neighbors complain or did your, was it only your wife? No. So they, they thought it was funny, but they told my wife and she kind of like stuff like that is, I wouldn't say mortified, but she didn't like it. <laughs> so now the important question then is, did you stop or did you just make sure that she was never going to find out about it when you did it again? No, I just do it down the street where she can't see me. Like in other neighbor's yard, people that I don't know yard, I do it in complete stranger's yard. Uh, see, now I just want to be the neighbors who come home and see a guy crawling through their backyard in chains. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> so listen, no, I've, I've, I've upped my game. So what I do now, I don't know if you've seen those hyperware sandbags, but they're just disc filled with no. sand. No, Very I haven't. Well, so I've got one that weighs 50 pounds and I put it, I would put it on my head and march <laughs> the neighborhood. So I'm the guy in the neighborhood with the big sombrero. <laughs> Do you know Nick Nilsson? No. Nick Nilsson, he calls himself the mad scientist of muscle. Nick is famous for just coming up with these crazy exercise variations. He's a big fan of zero shoes. If you go to his, it's N-I-L-S-S-O-N. If you look him up on YouTube, you can find videos. A lot of them he's wearing either the Prio or the Speed Force, or actually sometimes wears the, well, all of our, the shoes that he has in different videos. But he will do things like just, I think he lives on a cul-de-sac, and, but he'll like walk back and forth while carrying 500 pounds on this yoke that he invented. Yes. Uh, or doing you know, other similarly insane shit that uh, the two of you, I think, would get along quite swimmingly. So I've, I've got a really good friend that is very, is very much trained like that as well, uh, John yeah. Brookfield. He oh, carried- I don't know John. Yeah, what, what, He's the inventor of battling ropes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to, well, I'm going to have to do an intro to you guys. I think you All right. <laughs> I'm in. We talked a bit about getting stronger, doing less, but we then diverged a bit just to talk about you trespassing and not getting arrested. Yes. Um, so what else do you want to share just about the work that you're doing or what you're seeing with people? Like, let me back up to this. Why do people come to see you to begin with? What are the things that you hear people are interested in or complaining about or suffering from? Yeah. So, you know, we have Original Strength, which is a company that, so we do certifications for fitness professionals and chiropractors, physical therapists, things like that. So we certify professionals on how to help their clients and patients. But then we also have a gym here where we tend to bring in people that are feeling broken in tons of different ways, whether it's they've, uh, they injured themselves years ago and they just now are getting around to the fact that it's bothering them. They can't play soccer with their kids to, you know, they did some crazy workout at another gym and injured themselves and they are afraid to go back until they can, you know, figure out how to do it right, whatever it is. But so lots of different types of injuries and pain, but more of just a feeling of, I know I don't feel well, I'm hurting. I, I don't want to feel fragile and weak anymore. I want to, I know I, I want to be able to do things and I'm sick of some, you know, whether it's a doctor told them like, Hey, you're just not going to be able to do that anymore. Or them thinking, I just can't do this anymore. You know, we kind of open the doors to them. So we kind of like plant this little seed of hope, like, yes, you can. Like, and we show them how with really simple movement, like we were talking about before. So we start with the basics of just teaching them how to press reset. And then 
you know, helping them move their body as it's naturally supposed to move, focusing on squatting and hinging and pushing and pulling and doing all sorts of fun stuff. So if you give the body what it needs, it knows how to heal itself. Hmm. And so movement is so nice. You say it twice, movement, movement. And what your body really <laughs> wants and needs is movement. And with the right movement, it can, it can heal itself. You just hinted at some of the other things. So we have squatting, we have hip hinging, we have pulling, we have pushing. Anything else that we're missing, there's got to be a twisting thing in there somewhere. There is Dan John, he calls it getting up from the ground. Getting up it creates rotation. But then gait pattern also creates rotation and twisting. So gait pattern to me would be the big one if you're going to add a fifth one in there. So do you want to kind of touch on each of those? Sure. Uh, Why not? We got time to kill. What the (laughs) hell? So I've got a really wise friend who just looks at the body and how it's designed to move. And he says the body is designed to do, and his name is Dan John, by the way, super famous, nice guy. But he says the body is designed to do five things, push, pull, hinge, squat, and carry. And if we honor those five things and we do them regularly, your body will always be strong and able to, to do what you want to do as you, as you go through life. Right before we started this, a friend of mine sent me a video. It's a woman. I wish I remembered her name. And it's not that I forgot it. I never knew it. So I'm giving myself that uh, clarification. <laughs> I could look it up, but I, I skipped into the video after where they told her name. She weighs 120 pounds. She just squatted 495 it was really amazing. Now, again, that's a big weightlifting thing. So when we talk about some of these activities, hinging, squatting, pushing, pulling, again, most people think of that either from weightlifting or the body weight analog of that, of doing push-ups and pull-ups and whatever. I'm imagining right. that you have a different take on many, if not all of those. Yeah. So we can cover squatting and hinging with the rocking motion and even pushing because we're pushing our bodies away from the ground. Crawling definitely is pushing away from the ground in the legs and the feet. But it also, if you look at the pattern that the legs go through when you crawl, we're still working on hinging. And now squatting in itself is a sitting and resting position that we should actually have even when we're 99 years old. It shouldn't be what we call a third world squat. It should be an everyday, I can just squat because I may to kind of squat. And then carrying things, well, that's how we were designed to pick things up. And we walk from one place to another. And the way we get them there is we carry them. So I guess our take could be different. But if you love to lift weights, the developmental sequence or the movements that you were pre-programmed with, if you engage in those regularly, it will allow you to lift weights so much easier and so much better. You'll enjoy it better. And when we move that into the gait pattern, let's, since a lot of people came to this from running and either barefoot running or minimalist running or natural running, however you want to frame that, can you talk about what you've seen and what you've done with people, whether it's walking or running? For improving their gait pattern? Yeah. Yeah, well, so... Or, or frankly, any, or anything you want to talk about just as we talk about moving and gait. So it's really interesting, obviously, and you know this, but people can walk, right? Or you see them walking in a store or down the mall or whatever, but they're really going from one place to another, but they're not truly, truly walking with their appropriate gait pattern. So like if you That's watch awesome. someone... So wait, for people who didn't see, Danny did, did a move. She got behind you and was <laughs> texting. Yeah. So, so we've, we've learned how to walk just using our legs, but our foundational gait pattern is where all four limbs are moving. So like if I'm crawling on the floor, if I'm just moving my legs, I'm not crawling. Right. I need my arms and my legs to dance together to crawl, but that's the, that's the foundational gait pattern. So when I'm walking or when I'm running, I want my arms and legs to dance together 
because that's what strengthens my nervous system and keeps my body healthy and resilient as the years go by. So if we help an adult remember how to crawl, they will walk better and they they will run better and they will produce and transfer force and energies better that their body comes into contact with. So are you doing anything explicitly about walking or running or just, or, or doing something ex- about that, that transfer or are you just, it's a transfer. So if we make the, the very beginning gate pattern solid and very fluid, then the gate patterns that are built on top of that become more fluid and, and better as well. Got it. I imagine people walk into your place and wearing big, thick, heavy motion controlled padded shoes. Yes. 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 And what happens when that happens? <laughs> Well, so we have two rules and they're very important rules because they deal with the nervous system. The first one is don't move into pain. And the second one is don't move into fear. So we have to meet people where they're at because Mm -hmm. if we move them into fear, their nervous system is going to guard and protect them anyway. And they're not going to move nearly the way that we want them to be able to move so that they can experience how powerful movement is. So what we do is we politely and gently encourage people. You can take off your shoes if you want. And then as they get more into the crazy stuff that we teach, we can have a deeper conversation about footwear and things like that. Interesting. Well, you know, I I found that in different parts of the country, there's different attitudes and opinions about the whole barefoot thing. I was in a store recently, and it's winter here in Colorado, in bare feet, and someone made some comment about it. Not derogatory, but just like, oh my God, you're not wearing shoes? And I said, imagine what would it be like if we were at the beach where you just wouldn't even think about that. It would be a common thing. It's just that it's winter and it's Colorado. It strikes you as unusual. So there's a location thing. There's also, having spent time in the South, there's also the cultural component of that as well. How have you had to deal with that? Sorry, I'm just laughing because, you know, he'll, he'll take his shoes off and walk down the street, right? Like as we're going to the coffee shop all the time. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, oh, I was in Costco recently and they stopped me very, like some of the employees, very, very upset. And they said, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? They said, you're, you're wearing shoes. So... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I haven't had that. So here there used to be signs on the stores that said no shirt, no shoes, no service. Right. And that was very big here, which, and I, I'm so tired of putting on a shirt every time I walk into a store. But. <laughs> or you no, the thing is you walk in with a shirt and shoes and no pants. It didn't say yeah, well, <laughs> because they, exactly. They don't care if you wear pants or That's not. Right. I was always confused about that, but so really, I, I have to ask you again, what was the question? Because now my brain is somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just intrigued by, because see, Colorado, especially around the whole barefoot thing, it's kind of a hippie town around where I am. So it's not insane, insane, but in some parts of the country and the South more than others, not trying to, or the South, if you're not by the beach or by, or by the water, you know, it, it's definitely more conservative. Less, uh, what'd you say? I can say conservative. We can say it. We can okay. Say conservative. Well, I was just to say, yeah. you know, going around barefoot is the kind of thing that, that you definitely get more looks than you would yeah. in other places. I mean, New York city, you get a lot of looks. People are freaking out if you do that. Very fun to do, by the way. Um, <laughs> a lot of the roads are like super smooth and the sidewalks are, I mean, it's awesome. And say, you know, wash your feet at the end of the day. It's not a big deal. But, uh, but anyway, I'm just kind of curious what it's like dealing with the people that you're, that are local and giving them that gentle invitation to go barefoot. But what happens after that? Like, so here, like Danny mentioned earlier, we just create a culture of where it's the norm. Like, so if you want to wear your shoes or they're really thick, you're almost going to be the outlier right. or, or that That's may right. get your attention. And maybe you want to fit in and see what everybody else is, what the, what the fuss is about. Why are they barefoot or why are they wearing the, the zero shoes? So really, we don't have that much of a, a issue here. 
right? Um, because we, we kind of set the expectations and really we just tell them up front, Hey, your body is amazingly, wonderfully made. And this is how it's designed. Right. And if you want to optimize that design or that, that your function, then you stick as close to the design as possible. And have you gotten feedback from people when they've, when they've started to spend more time barefoot? I, you know, a couple, I, I think there's majorly switching over shoes. So we've had a lot of people switch from, you know, wearing the, the big, thick, chunky shoes to wearing minimalist shoes because they know that it feels better and they move better. They can feel the floor better. They're better at their movement patterns that we have them do. And we have a lot of, uh, I'll call them compromisers, where they feel okay being in their socks without shoes, <laughs> but they don't want to take their socks off on the floor and walk around because to them, Oh, it's icky that somebody else is walking barefoot on the floor. And it's, you know, it's just, Oh, that's fascinating. It's just, you know, but people have their own issues, right? But, <laughs> yeah. but they are coming out of their shoes and wearing socks. So it's still, it's still good. It's still, mm-hmm. now they're not getting the full benefit of all the different textures, but it's a good place to be. I'm just so curious. I, I haven't really, this is going to sound silly. I mean, I've been, I've been running zero shoes for 10 years with my wife. I've been barefoot for a few years before that. It never, I never really sat to think like, why is it that people have such a thing about feet and bare feet and walking on something where we know it's totally safe? It's not going to be an issue. It's like, you know, what, and of course, in other places in the world, it's not an issue. Like, what is it? What are they thinking? That makes them say something like, you know, I, I don't want to. I, do think, I think people are afraid of like germs. germs. I think it's we, germs. We live in a like every, there's hand sanitizer well, stuff everywhere you go, and people are always like, "Where's your Where's your stuff?" But and like you know, there's that like whole connotation of like people, some people having stinky feet or sweaty feet. You know, maybe they're like just real self conscious. But you know what know. makes them that way is shoes, though. Is yeah, not. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the irony. Yeah, it's it's just such a fascinating thing because of course we'll get more germs and transmit more diseases by shaking someone's hand or being in a room where someone is ill and then rubbing our eyes or you know i mean the the feet are so less likely to be a cause of something unless you're you know walking through poop or doing something where obviously that's a problem but a why would you do that it's one of my favorite things when someone when i talk about like walking and running barefoot they go aren't you afraid of stepping in dog poop i go when's the last time you stepped in dog poop yeah, I don't know, like 20 years ago. It's like, well, why would you start now if you took off your shoes? You know, typically wearing shoes or barefoot, I try not to do that. I mean, well, exactly. I, I make an effort to not do that. Of course, it's not really difficult. I, I don't know. Have you used these things called eyes? Have you ever tried using those when you're walking? They're amazing. You can see things with them and and then adapt how you're moving. It's crazy. But, but we're like this. So. Uh, that's what it is. But you probably know this too. Even if your eyes can't catch something, if you if you spend a lot of time walking barefoot, your feet will catch something. Your eyes can't. Oh yeah, I wish that I. You know, there are a number of things that I regret. From I wish I could go back in time. One is I wish I could had a a picture of what my footprint looked like when I got out of the hot tub because it just looked like an oval with dots, and now it looks like a footprint. And the other is I wish there was a way of testing my reflex arc and the flexibility and strength of my foot. I wish I'd done all of those things so I could compare cool. now. Because in addition to getting more flexible and stronger, it feels like my, I'm just reflexively faster. If I start to step on something that's not going to feel good, I'm off it more quickly. And I, and I don't have any way of proving that, unfortunately. I wish that I had that kind of foresight. Man, that would be amazing information to have. If you could find somebody that you were warming up to, to, to transition from regular shoes to, to, to your shoes, that would be the great place to, to that's test. A, 
That's a really interesting one. The, the challenge with doing any of these things where you want to study someone doing something like that over a period of time, because that's going to be a six month, to, you know, multi-year process. You probably have a, for many people, there'll be a kind of quick learning at first and then it's going to slow down, but continue moving, continue improving. Anything like that, the cost for doing that kind of study is super, super high. And it's one of the things Lane and I have on our to-do list is raising some capital, raising some money so that we can support some studies like that just to see what happens. Of course, the challenge there is that if they prove the obvious thing that using your feet is better than not using your feet and has all these value adds, people will say, yeah, but you guys paid for the study. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? This is something I, I talked to Sarah Ridge on a previous uh, podcast episode. I called it something like the stupidest research ever done. Well, Sarah had done some research showing that if you walk in a pair of minimalist shoes, your feet get stronger in the same way that they would if you did an explicit foot strengthening exercise program. And I said, isn't it amazingly stupid that we have to demonstrate that using your feet is better than not using your feet? <laughs> when, when the shoe companies have never demonstrated anything showing the value of what they're doing, the natural movement people have to prove that natural is better than not. <laughs> Crazy. Well, whenever you're going against the grain, well, everybody and, and, wants proof. Well, right. And even that, that's the thing that's so funny is we're not going against the grain. If you, I know human beings have been wearing footwear for a long, long time. And the advent of the modern motion control padded shoe is just the last 50 years. So for 99.995% of human history, we've been wearing minimalist shoes or going barefoot or you know something like that. Something, just a little protection for your foot, something to hold that protection onto your foot. That's it. So we're not the intervention. The intervention is all the new stuff. The intervention is the Nike Vaporfly and the Hoka and the, you know, everything really. I was, in, I did a panel discussion at the American College of Sports Medicine a year and a half ago. And the guys, there was a guy from Brooks and a guy from Adidas who made a comment about, we're trying to improve performance and reduce injury, but we can't prove that we can do that because that would be really expensive and cost a lot of, you know, and take a lot of time and have a lot of confounding factors. And all I could think was, dude, if either one of you could make a shoe demonstrably better than the guy sitting next to you, that's worth billions of dollars a year. And you're telling me you're not doing it because it's difficult and expensive, <laughs> ludicrous. So, but you know, but the fact that they had no evidence, and I just then I, in one of my slides, I pulled up like 20 studies from PubMed showing how natural movement is better. So Isabel Sacco in Brazil showing how it can get rid of osteoarthritis and Sarah's research about foot strengthening, and you know, it just it goes on and on and on. Um, but that research gets no attention because there aren't multi-billion-dollar companies promoting the research. So oh. anyway, he says he says ranting. No, no, well, no, we get it. Yeah. And you, you, I think what you just said, as far as like, you're not going against the grain uh, is a really cool way to look at it. However, unfortunately, the rest of society doesn't know that. Uh, I know. So, and we, we go with the same thing too. Everyone wants the complex, the sexy, the new, the, the, the best, the next best thing. Well, like, uh, yeah. I mean, if all you have to offer is, is crawling around in chains, I mean, you know, where's <laughs> the fun of that? So, so the honest, the good news is, is you don't even have to use the chains, just crawling. <laughs> Well, wait, do, do, uh, although look, the gadget geek that I am, in fact, I'll tell this story. So being that it is that present giving season and my, my mother-in-law sent me some money, which is very kind and completely stupid and ridiculous, but she does it all the time anyway. And <laughs> all I can do is say thank you, but there's just no need to give a 50, 57 year old man a Christmas present. <laughs> Regardless, I was thinking, you know, I want to spend a little money. There's a toy that I've been wanting to get for a while. And then I got a I got a letter two days later from the surgeons who did my shoulder surgery three years ago saying, hey, we just, we're auditing our, our numbers and you apparently overpaid. And they sent me a check for $1,500. What? So that's I, exactly. That's the first thing I said. And then the second thing was maybe they made a mistake. And the third thing is, <laughs> I don't care, I'm cashing this thing. 
So, uh, <laughs> and so, I, so I bought a toy. It's a Nordic hamstring curl machine. Basically, just, you know, uh-huh. as a sprinter, eccentric hamstring strength is hugely important. So I got a thing to do that. Makes me very happy. I love this thing. So anyway, that's my <laughs> new toy. But other than chains, so that's my way of saying I like toys. So other than chains, what other toys might I play with if I were hanging out with you? Well, I'm going to just throw this in there. Your own body, for sure. Best thing. I know. I know. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. What are you, toys? Yeah, toys. I don't know. We have so many toys. Well, we're really big fans of the Hyperware Sandbells and also the Hyperware Weighted Vests. Those are both great pieces of equipment that you can use for a lot of different types of training. Um, we like sleds, pushing and pulling sleds. Uh, Dude, you were going to so love the extra genie. Yeah. All right. I'm in. It's all the fun of a sled without a sled. <laughs> that And that's what I need because yeah. I, I travel. But yeah, we love sleds. Slam balls. Oh, like yeah. Or soft. Uh, I call them soft atlas stones where you can just pick them up and maneuver them and stuff like that of different weights. Those are there's a, there's a guy that I met. He's here in town who actually, when I met him, we were at a, an event. It was a lunch for physical product um, CEOs. And I'm sitting next to him. I said, so what do you do? He goes, oh, I make an adjustable weight medicine ball. I said, oh, cool. How does that work? He goes, well, you know, I can't tell you that. It's technology. <laughs> and I said, yeah, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop my multi-million dollar company and steal your stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> and, did you say that to him? I did. <laughs> And uh, about 10 minutes later, he walks back up to me. He goes, my apologies. Here's how it works. <laughs> so anyway, it's crazy expensive, but I saw them recently and it's really fun because you can actually, it's basically just a medicine ball. It's got kind of like a screw on cap, if you will, and you can put different weights on the inside of it. Very clever and, you know, kind of expensive, but for travel and for convenience that works out well. But I love things you can throw and slam and hit walls with and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the other thing for all of those things you could do, we have ropes. ropes. Imagine that we got ropes and chains, ropes and all, chains. all kinds of, all kinds of fun things. Yeah. You might want to clarify that. I wouldn't <laughs> open with that. Yeah. Come on over. We have a lot of ropes and chains. Come here. Let me show you something. <laughs> but that's you know we, what? It might work. I don't yeah, know. That's, crazy that's enough to work. Work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm curious enough to want to come in the door. <laughs> I've got ropes and chains. Come on. Let me show you something. I'm not going to lie, Stephen. I've had phone calls, people calling in and being like, yeah, I saw this guy walking around in my neighborhood with the thing on his head and walking with sticks. He uses Indian clubs. And I hear he owns this place. Can, can I come work out here? So people, <laughs> nice. people like it. Curiosity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> cool. Those are all good toys. The thing that I like about them is that they all do have one thing in common, which is what you hinted at before. It's basically giving you a way of, not, I don't want to use the word exaggerating, but just adding some added element to this natural movement pattern. Yes. Yeah. And so the way we explain it to people is once we teach them how to press reset and tie their body together, then we put them through natural movement. And really, we teach them how to be farmers, like moving things. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that. I was at the first Paleo FX conference. I was on a panel discussion about natural movement things. And at one point, I said, look, let's just, you know, cut to the chase. Everything we're doing here is fake natural movement, really. Because no one is walking down to the river and picking up stones and bringing them back to build a house. No one is running to catch their food or running away so they don't become food. And the difference in that one is so noticeable because I don't care how fast you run and how much you're doing high intensity intervals. When I go out and train, I run as hard as I can. Maybe I'm a little sore the next day. When I am at a track meet and I run one fast race, I can't move for the next four days. The whole hormonal thing that goes on when you're in competition mode, and that's not even the same as being chased by or chasing something, but it's the closest that we can get in a controlled circumstance, you know, whole different game. So we're doing these things to 
do the best we can to imitate what it would be if we were living in a very different world. Yeah. And basically we do them here too, because outside of here, people still have a life they want to live. And we're in a rural place where people do yard work. They, they shovel mulch, they, you know, they plant trees and they, they work. And so just being able to do that stuff easier, we're, you know, improving quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, is there anything else that we want to jump into, tackle, talk about anything that I missed? I don't know. I've learned that if I rub the extra genie, Will Smith will not pop out. So um, that was pretty much the subliminal we, message I've yeah. been trying to communicate the whole time. <laughs> uh, covered that. But yeah, I, my shirt doesn't say zero shoes. It says extra genie, Will Smith. <laughs> not rub. I do. I do have a question for you. So your new Speed Force shoe. Yeah. Do you run sprints in it? Yeah, I'm wearing it right now. I'll tell you, you know, when I come to the office, I normally just kick off my shoes right away. I mean, I'm normally barefoot most of the time. And the only reason that I wear shoes, even in the winter around here, is because in the parking lot of our office, for some reason that no one has ever been able to explain, it's always muddy. And I just am lazy. And so rather, and sometimes I can jump over it, but basically I put on shoes so I don't have to deal with the mud in the parking lot. And then I'd come in here and kick them off. I I keep wearing these. I keep forgetting that I have them on. And, so, but I'm sorry, go ahead. answer your question though. So yeah, when I'm on the track and so for people who don't know, I'm a competitive sprinter. I I'll do all my warmups barefoot and drills barefoot. And then when I've got to go for speed, I'll put on my speed force. Now I was wearing the Prio before and now I'm wearing the speed force. I feel like they give me as much grip as my sprinting spikes do. And partly because I'm able to move my foot more than I can in my spikes because they squeeze your toes together and don't let your foot move. But also they're crazy grippy and they're really lightweight. I mean, it really feels it's, it's my favorite shoe to run in. And all of my training partners are doing the same now. And some of them was like, yeah, I like the Prio, but I can't really run in it. It's a little too heavy for me. And then the Speed Force is what they're wearing now. I'm actually working on a sprinting spike. It's, I've got a kind of Skunk Works project. It has no spikes and it doesn't squeeze your toes together. It's super, super cool. But hopefully that's about a year away. Anyway, but so yes, I do. But you had a follow-up question, it sounded like. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say that's my biggest complaint about the speed force is that typically before I had my pair, I would come in around and I'd walk around here barefoot or without shoes. But now that I have, I, I wear these things all the time. I know it's crazy. I don't take them off. Like, and I've worn them every <laughs> single day. It's I know. I know. And look, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going to air, but I'll hint at something. We've got another shoe coming out called the HFS, um, which stands for holy something, something. (laughs) It's a tiny bit heavier. Upper is a little bit lighter and the tread is a little more road friendly, if you will. I'm going to show it really quick. It's a teaser. It's pretty. That's That's cool. Yeah, it's super, super cool. And similarly, we got a few samples here in the office just to make sure the production run is going correctly. And people who've been wearing the Speed Force, now they're going, going, I don't know which to wear. I'm going back and forth. So we're really committed to doing this. We've also got, we have a couple other shoes that we've developed for 2020 in particular, where the people who are testing were going, I keep forgetting them wearing them. Now we've been hearing that since day one, but even more with some of these because they're even lighter, they're even more flexible, they breathe even more. And uh, yeah, it is pretty wacky. I'm having the same experience you are. It's very weird that I find myself wearing shoes the majority of the day because I just forget. I mean, I just don't even notice it. So my wife's yelling at me at home and always telling me to take my shoes off now. She doesn't want me to wear them on the carpet. And, and I just off. Don't, yeah. don't crawl through the neighbor's yards, man. This woman, <laughs> she is a, she's a ball buster. Jesus. She, well, she runs a tight ship. She does. <laughs> I can see She's not going to watch this. So I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
you know, I can only, I wonder if Lena is embarrassed by all the things that I do or not. I've never asked her. She's never said anything. So I'm assuming she's totally fine with it or just, you know, walks further away. So people don't know that that's, each other. <laughs> that's probably what it is. I'm sure she's used to it. Like I'm she's hoping I'm used to like this. Yeah. She's definitely used to it, but I'm sure there's things that every now and then she's got to be rolling her eyes. My parents very early on. So I come from a, let's call it nominally Jewish family. You know, we went to synagogue on the high holidays and that's it. That was really it. But my parents used to say to me, you know, we, my mom in particular, actually my dad in particular, you know, we want me to want you to marry a nice Jewish girl. And I said, <laughs> you have no idea how hard it is to put up with me. If I can find anyone who can do that, end of story. <laughs> and then, then they met Lena and I said, so, you know, are you okay with the fact that she's not Jewish? And they said, look, we've just seen that in your previous relationships, you started out happy and then got less happy. And in this one, you started out happy and have gotten happier. And that's all we care about. And wow. I said, okay, where'd you put my real parents? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's been true. So I'm, I'm an incredibly lucky human being. In fact, my mom who has Alzheimer's, when she, after she had long ago forgotten who I was, would spontaneously say, you know, Lena is the best thing that ever happened to Stephen. And wow. she is totally correct. So it was a good one. Uh, so yeah, I, my, my apologies for now creating this additional strife in your relationship where your wife now complains that you're wearing shoes. I will do my best to make that worse for her. Thank by you. giving you additional options where you do the same thing. <laughs> there's, there's actually a funny one going on right now. I, I can't wait to see where, how it pans out. Peter Atia, I don't know if you know Peter. He's a doctor and very interesting health and fitness guy. And he's been wearing the Prio and the Speed Force. And his wife is totally not crazy about the Prio. I think she's iffy about the Speed Force. I'm hoping that I find something that he likes that she likes as well. That's my new challenge. And, you know, and sometimes we get the other way around. Sometimes we'll have it is polarizing. There's times where people wear our sandals and the spouse will complain about how they look. And then we get them another sandal and they go, oh, I actually like that one. So <laughs> it's a very funny thing. Some people, we've had people make a comment about the exact same shoe. One saying that's too masculine. And then like the next breath, someone's saying that's too feminine. It's like, <sighs> okay, then you're clearly both right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. All right. Anything else before we call it a wonderful day? Well, I would just love to point out if anyone wants to learn more about I'm original. I'm about to do that, but go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Gonna, okay. I was going to say, if people want to learn more, where do they go? But So you preempted it, but please continue. All right. Well, I was going to say, if anyone wants to learn more about original well, strength. Wait, wait, hold on. Not if, when. When. <laughs> so Tim has written several books. They are fabulous. You want to check out Pressing Reset Reloaded. It's on Amazon or on our website at originalstrength.net. We've got tons of free content on YouTube, uh, blogs every week, videos, just a lot, tons of content out there. And we also have an online platform for anyone looking for some coaching specifically at osionline.com. And uh, you can get lots of cool programming and other information and even random recipes that we like. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And then certification for people who are fitness professionals who are looking to do, integrate this? Yes. Yes. So any fitness professionals looking to help simplify movement and help change the, the industry and get people moving better faster, check out originalstrength.net. We've got certifications happening all over the world and something coming up here. And we would love to, uh, love to meet you and see you and help you help people better. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you both. Secondly, I hope everyone does come and check it out. Third, I want to say something I've been trying to avoid saying this entire time and that, and for people who aren't seeing this, you'll have to find the video to see it. I just want to let everyone know that no cows were harmed in the making of Danny's earrings. No. 
<laughs> but they're pretty legit, right? <laughs> they're awesome. <laughs> Those are Holstein. Holstein like, earrings right looks there. Looks like they're Dalmatians. <laughs> oh, that's right. No, cows or Dalmatians were harmed by the making of your right. earrings. <laughs> they're great. Okay, well, anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a total pleasure. And thank you for the support you've given us over the years. I mean, it's been a real treat. And watching how you guys have grown this has been really, really a blast. So kudos to you. Anyway, that's beyond that. Uh, for everyone else, thank you. Again, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com where you can find previous episodes and how to find us in all the different places where you can find podcasts and videos and places to interact. If you have any feedback or have anyone you think should be on the show, drop me an email. Just move at jointhemovement.com. By the way, that is move at, not just move at. So move at jointhemovementmovement.com. And most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first. Take care. You've been listening to the Movement Movement Podcast with host Stephen Sashin. Remember to join the tribe and subscribe at jointhemovementmovement.com.